Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The Six Swans. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading. Once upon a time, a certain king was hunting in a great forest, and he chased a wild beast so eagerly that none of his attendants could follow him. When evening drew near, he stopped and looked around him, and then he saw that he'd lost his way. He sought a way out but could find none. Then he perceived an aged woman with a head which nodded perpetually, (laughs) who came towards him, but she was a witch. Oh, that's a twist. I thought it was a nodding dog. Good woman said he to her. Can you not show me the way through the forest? Oh, yes, Lord King, she answered. That I certainly can. But on one condition, if you do not fulfill that, you will never get out of the forest and will die of hunger in it. (laughs) What kind of condition is it? asked the king. I have a daughter, said the old woman, who is as beautiful as anyone in the world and well deserves to be your wife. And if you will make her your queen, I will show you the way out of the forest. In the anguish of his heart, the king consented, and the old woman led him to her little hut, where her daughter was sitting by the fire. She received the king as if she'd been expecting him, and he saw that she was very beautiful. But still she did not please him, and he could not look at her without secret horror. Without secret horror? That's a bit strong, isn't it? It's like, hello, nice to meet you. He just looks at her like... Screaming inside. I mean, so not love at first sight. <laughs> no. Um, After he had taken the maiden... But but he's got to do it. He's got to... You know, well, he's the, made the, the deal. The thing is, the alternative is... Yeah. You know you're going to die in the forest. So obviously he's going to take the deal. Yeah, exactly. So he takes her up on his horse. And the old woman showed him the way. And the king reached his royal palace again. Where the wedding was celebrated. Oh, no. He's done it. He's Very married nice. the witch's daughter. Tied the knot. The king had already been married once and had by his first wife seven children, six boys and a girl, whom he loved better than anything else in the world. As he now feared that the stepmother might not treat them well and even do them some injury, he took them to a lonely castle which stood in the middle of a forest. You follow? You're looking quizzical. Well, I am a bit quizzical. What's What What happened to the first wife? I want to know that. (laughs) Secondly, the stepmom? Is this the witch? No, this is the witch's daughter. I don't think you're following at all. No, wait, who's the... Oh, yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, yeah. the witch said, marry my daughter. Yeah. And he's taken her back to the castle. Yeah. But he doesn't quite trust his new bride. No. So he's whisked off his uh, seven children to a lonely castle. A lonely castle. That is actually quite basic. I don't know why I didn't understand that the first time. <laughs> Just try and keep up, all right? Yeah, I can't try. It lay so concealed... And the way was so difficult to find that he himself would not have found it if a wise woman had not given him a ball of yarn with wonderful properties. When he threw it down before him, it unrolled itself and showed him his path. (laughs) What is this they've just thrown into the story? (laughs) By the way, P.S. It's really hard to find this lonely (laughs) castle. You need magic yarn. Magic yarn, you just throw it down and it shows you the way. I like that idea. I love it. Just roll does it. it. Does it literally, you throw it and it unravels all the way. Yeah, it just rolls all just the rolls way all through the, the forest. Destination. Wow. 
That's really handy. That's very handy. So, so he's got a way to get to them now. Does that make sense? Like he's got, he's got the yarn that shows him the way, so he can go visit his kids whenever he wants. And but and then, then it's back. perfect because then no one else has that means of finding them. Exactly. Yeah. But the king went so frequently away to his dear children that the queen observed his absence. Mm. She was curious and wanted to know what he did when he was quite alone in the forest. She gave a great deal of money to his servants and they betrayed the secret to her and told her likewise of the ball which alone could point out the way. And now she knew no rest until she had learnt where the king kept the ball of yarn and then she made little shirts of white silk and as she had learnt the art of witchcraft from her mother she sewed a charm in them. What on earth is going on? <laughs> what, is, what? And when the king had ridden off to hunt she took the little shirts and went into the forest and the ball showed her the way. So she's thrown the ball of yarn down. It's like zigzag through the forest. Yeah. And she's off to the kid's castle. Uh-oh. The children, who saw from a distance that someone was approaching, thought that their dear father was coming to them and full of joy ran to meet him. Oh, no. Then she threw one of the little shirts over each one of them. And no... <laughs> <laughs> have some of that. <laughs> you throw a shirt on someone. It's like, oh, no, it goes no! over their arm. Oh, their arms go perfectly in the sleeves. No. <laughs> it's so crisp and fresh. <laughs> Stop it. It's such a comfortable shirt. And no sooner had the shirts touched their bodies than they were changed into swans oh, no. and flew away over the forest. The queen went home quite delighted and thought that she'd got rid of her stepchildren. But the girl had not run out with her brothers and the queen knew nothing about her. Why didn't she run out? She was busy. She was busy? Yeah, she was busy. She doesn't not like her dad that much. <laughs> Um, yeah, she's less interested in dad. I mean, it is also a bit odd that the new wife, the witch wife, uh, only made six and not seven. Does she not know? That's true. That's I mean, it strange. is confusing because, yeah, because when she arrived at the castle, she didn't know that he had kids because he'd hidden them away. Yeah. But then the servants told her. So the servants must have got the number wrong. Must have done. I'm assuming. They just forgot that also, basically. Hmm. Mm. So, so she's been left behind. Yeah. Perfect. So she's safe. She's safe. Yeah, but she's watched her brother swans fly off. Do swans fly that well? Well, yeah. Oh, they flew off ungainly and they're, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Why did they instantly fly off? She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a swan. Bye. <laughs> Always asking the piercing <laughs> questions. Getting to the heart of the matter. Yeah. Why did they fly off? <laughs> instantly fly off. <laughs> just flew off. <laughs> I well, mean, I guess I'm a swan now. Bye. They're probably just trying to get the shirt off and flapping their arms around. <gasps> That's genius. Yeah, and in doing so, they flap their wings. Yeah, but before you know it, you're in, I don't know, Honduras or somewhere. You, you, <laughs> That's you very specific. Off, I know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can be. Maybe that's why birds flap their wings. <laughs> that's why all birds fly to Honduras, yeah. Or, origin story. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. Mm. Okay, I'm right. I'm learning so much. Yeah, page one we're on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's right. This thing up. So this has all happened. Yep. Next day, the king went to visit his children, but he found no one but the little girl. Where, where are your brothers? asked the king. Alas, dear father, she answered. They have gone away and left me alone. And she told him that she had seen from her little window how her brothers had flown away over the forest in the shape of swans. And she showed him the feathers which they had let fall in the courtyard and which he had picked up. The king mourned, but he did not think that the queen had done this wicked deed. And since he feared that the girl would also be stolen away from him, he wanted to take her away with him. But she was afraid of her stepmother and begged the king to let her stay just this one night more in the forest castle. Oh, wow. 
So he's like, come home with me. This is not safe here anymore. Yeah. Because he doesn't know it was the his wife who's done it. But she's thinking, no, I'm not safe back home, Dad, either. But just yeah. let me stay here one more night, Dad. She could just tell him what happened. Mm, she's, she didn't know who to trust anymore. Uh, uh. The poor girl thought, I can no longer stay here. I will go and seek my brothers. Brave. And when night came, she ran away and went straight into the forest. She walked the whole night long, and next day also, without stopping, until she could go no farther for weariness. Then she saw a forest hut. I went into it. I found a room with six little beds. But she did not venture to get into one of them, but crept under one and lay down on the hard ground, intending to pass the night there. Okay. Just before sunset, however, she heard a rustling and saw six swans come flying in at the window. <laughs> they alighted on the ground and blew at each other <laughs> and blew all the feathers off and their swan skin stripped off like a shirt. <laughs> then the maiden looked at them and recognised her brothers, was glad and crept forth from beneath the bed. Matt, you yeah? have lost me. What? what? <laughs> They've blown their swan skins off. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> their swan skins? What's a yeah. swan skin? They've just blown off the swan skin. <laughs> no, I think weird about no that. Sense. <laughs> the brothers were not less delighted to see their little sister, but their joy was of short duration. Here can you not abide, they said to her. This is a shelter for robbers, and if they come home and find you, they will kill you. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. But can you not protect me? Asked the little sister. No, they replied. <laughs> Why would we do that? <laughs> Why would we do that? <laughs> We're swans now, right? <laughs> you don't get it. Only for one quarter of an hour each evening can we lay aside our swan skins and have during that time our human form. After that, we are once more turned into swans. The little sister wept and said, Can you not be set free? Alas, no, they answered. The conditions are too hard. For six years, you may neither speak nor laugh, and in that time, you must sew together six little shirts of star flowers for us. And if one single word falls from your lips, all your work will be lost. And when the brothers had said this, the quarter of an hour was over, and they flew out of the window again as swans. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's like happening? Really struggling with what? this one. What? What's happening? There's, just, there's seven boys, six boys who are swans. So part of the spell is yeah. 15 minutes of every day they get to regain their human form before yes. poof, they're back as swans. Got it. Now she's like, "Is there any way to undo the spell?" And they were saying, "If you to, are to undo the spell, yeah. you're going to have to not speak for six years and." Make us shirts from star flowers. <laughs> what are you talking about? You must sew together six little shirts of star flowers. <laughs> I don't, Matt, I don't know what's happening. How did he know that as well? <laughs> no, what, who's told him that? There's so many questions in this story. She can't, but she can't ask them herself because they've turned it back into swans and yeah, they're gone. They've flown, flown they away. only get 15 minutes a day. So they've told her that. They said, no way, it's not possible, all right? Unless you did that. Just, yeah. But no, it's not possible, yeah. unless you were to do that. Yeah. And the maiden, you know, firmly resolved to save her brothers, yeah. even if it should cost her her life. She left the hut, went into the middle of the forest, seated herself on a tree, and there passed the night. Next morning, she went out and gathered star flowers and began to sew. Oh, yeah. She could not speak to anyone, and she had no inclination to laugh either. She sat there and looked at nothing but her work. When she had already spent a long time there, it came to pass that the king of the country was hunting in the forest. 
and his huntsmen came to the tree on which the maiden was sitting. They called to her and said, Who are you? But she made no answer. Come down here to us, said they. We will not do you any harm. She only shook her head. As they pressed her further with questions, she threw her golden necklace down to them and thought that this would satisfy them. They, however, did not cease. And then she threw her girdle down to them. And as it... And as <laughs> I don't like where this is going. <laughs> just wait, I don't just like wait. This. <laughs> and as this also was to no purpose, her garters, and by degree, everything that she had on that she could do without until she had nothing left but her shift. But her what? Her shift. Her shift? Yes. I think her shift's just finished, isn't it? <laughs> I, I stri- Are you aware of what's just happened? She's done a striptease. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit weird. It's just a bit. But all she's got left is her shift. She's got, it's like, a, I guess, an undershirt. Uh, right. I thought her yeah. shift was done at the strip club. <laughs> yeah, the princess has literally just uh, stripped everything off and thrown at them, thinking that that would satisfy them. The huntsmen, however, did not let themselves be put off by that. No. But climbed the tree. <laughs> <laughs> but climbed the tree and fetched the maiden down and led her before the king. Oh dear. The king asked, "Who are you? And what are you doing on the tree?" But she did not answer. Is this a different king? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yes. okay. Crucial. Yeah. So he said, who are you and what are you doing in that tree? He put the question in every language that he knew. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in that tree? He got out of Google Translate. <laughs> it's like the announcements at the beginning of the Olympics or something in like all the different languages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like... Uh, what are you doing up there? Okay, now I'll try something else. Uh, I'll just quickly have a look. German. Was Mastu in diesem Baum? Was Mastu in diesem No. Uh, she's not German. Okay. Nothing. What about uh, French? Let's try French, shall we? Qu'est-ce que tu fais dans cet arbre? No, nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. Um, mm, she's Italian. <laughs> Let's try Hindi, maybe. Let's go a little further afield. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, no, no, I'm not even going to try that one. <laughs> it's like, no, he, no nothing doing. Gave no, up. Try yeah. all the languages he knows. He went through all of Google Translate's languages. <laughs> Mute as a fish, she remained. Is that in the book? Yeah, did I not say that already? Mute as a fish? Yeah, he tried every language, but she remained as mute as a fish. Mm. As she was so beautiful, the king's heart was touched, and he was smitten with a great love for her. He put his mantle on her, placed her before him on his horse, and carried her to his castle. Then he had her dressed in rich garments, and she shone in her beauty like bright daylight, but no word could be drawn from her. He placed her by his side at the table, and her modest bearing and courtesy pleased him so much that he said, She is the one whom I wish to marry, and no other woman in the world. And after some days, he united himself to her. Wow. Yeah, that's a romantic way of putting it. The king, however, had a wicked mother who was dissatisfied with this marriage and spoke ill of the young queen. Who knows, said she, where she comes from. She's not worthy of a king. Mm. So it's not all, it's not all, it's not a happy it's ending yet. It's not roses, no. After a year had passed, when the queen brought her first child into the world, the old woman took it away from her and smeared her mouth with blood as she slept. What? Then she went to the king and accused the queen of being a man-eater. So she's told the king, look, your wife's a man-eater. But the king would not believe it and would not allow anyone to do her any injury. 
She, however, sat continually sewing at the shirts and cared for nothing else. So I'm, she's not interested in I'm what's going on. Glad she's still on the shirts. Yeah, yeah, she's still on it. Good, 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 good. Hasn't dropped the ball there. The next time, though, when she again bore a beautiful boy, the false stepmother used the same treachery, but the king could not bring himself to give credit to her words. Mm. He said, She is too pious and good to do anything of that kind. If she were not dumb and could defend herself, her innocence would come to light. But when the old woman stole away the newly born child for the third time and accused the queen, who did not utter one word of defence, the king could do no otherwise than deliver her over to justice. She was sentenced to suffer death by fire. Oh dear. Yeah. Is this the same child three times or has she stolen three children? Three separate children, yeah. The, is the king not wondering like where his kids are going? She's been accused of eating her own children. Okay. He's finally gone like, well... Third I mean, time. the kids aren't here, and yeah. you've got blood around your mouth. I've got to put two, to, two and two together at some point. She's not saying a word in her own defence. No. Uh, guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah, that's how the law works. When the day came for the sentence to be executed, it was the last day of the six years during which she was not to speak or laugh, and she had delivered her brothers from the power of the enchantment. The six shirts were ready. Only the left sleeve of the sixth was missing. When, therefore, she was led to the stake, she laid the shirts on her arm, and when she stood up high, and the fire was just going to be lighted, she looked around, and six swans came flying through the air towards her. Then she saw that she would be saved, and her heart leapt with joy. Amazing. The swans swept towards her and sank down so that she could throw the shirts over them. And as they were touched by them, their swan skins fell off, and her brothers stood in their own bodily form before her, and were vigorous and handsome. <laughs> Why were they vigorous? They're just really vigorous. Vigorous young man. I don't like that as an adjective. So, yeah, they've all landed back as boys again. They're back as her brothers. But the youngest only lacked his left arm and had in the place of it a swan's wing on his shoulder. Oh, no. Because she didn't manage to... Finish the shirt. Yeah. Really weird. They embraced and kissed each other. And the queen went to the king, who was greatly moved. And she began to speak and said, Dearest husband... Now I may speak and declare to you that I am innocent and falsely accused. And she told him of the treachery of the old woman who had taken away her three children and hidden them. Then, to the great joy of the king, they were brought there. And as a punishment, the wicked stepmother was bound to the stake and burnt to ashes. But the king and the queen with their six brothers lived many years in happiness and peace. The end. was quite a journey feel like you struggled with that one well I did yeah it's quite confusing in places <laughs> but then it doesn't tie up it doesn't tie up the story at all you can sniff out a plot hole a mile yeah. off can't you Adam it really doesn't nothing gets past you why doesn't like, it the entire first half of the story is yeah. just totally abandoned yeah it doesn't matter because we're, we're, we're along for the ride you know we're yeah. just like what's going to happen to the brothers <laughs> Who cares about the first half of the story? Yeah, who cares about her dad and his uh, witch wife? 
Yeah. So who who he's presumably still living with. Yeah. Mm. And none of what? Yeah. None of the children ever go back. Is that what it said? Well, I don't know. That just says they live happily ever after or something, doesn't it? Yeah, they all live together. The king and queen. Yeah. The six brothers. <laughs> That's a bit weird. <laughs> no. Wait, does it? No, did guys. it say the um, guy got his uh, wing fixed, or has he still got? No, he still he still got the still got the wing. The swan wing. I quite like that detail. Actually, that's quite nice. Yeah, because often like it's all kind of tied back up and it's yeah. all back to normal. It's like all everyone's all the magic's kind of gone and you're left yeah. in a happy ever after. But actually, there's a little bit of that magic left there. There's the forever with the swan wing. Weird. Poor brother with a swan wing. <laughs> oh, why did I get that shirt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, my initial observation. Yeah. We've had lots and lots from that story before. Yeah. Like, it retrod a lot of familiar ground. I wasn't sure you were picking up on it. No, but definitely. Just, yeah. The shirts. Yeah, the um, the, the strange thing. little hut in the woods where the sister finds her brothers in a in a sort of bird form. Yeah, that's kind of to me that was kind of Snow Whitey with the dwarfs the, hut. with the beds and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. But then it is also like the cottage in the Twelve Brothers. Yes, it is yeah. Twelve Brothers exactly. Um, which is obviously the story with the shirts as well. Not yeah, like weird emphasis on shirts. <laughs> um, what else was there? There's the most recently perhaps the. Um, being silent and being accused of being a man-eater. Yes. And about to be burned at That the was all in... Um, Our Lady's Child. Our Lady's Child. That was the first episode of the series. It was probably about four yeah. episodes back. I can't remember what number it was. It feels like a lifetime ago. And then the, the, the way this one ends is basically like the way that the, the Twelve Brothers ends, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. The, the Bird Brothers swoop in, transform, yeah. and save her from about to be being burnt alive. And the evil stepmom or whatever she is... Uh, then gets killed. Yeah. No, you're going to be the woman we uh, <laughs> burn alive. Sorry. Except in that one, it was burning like oil and snakes or something in a barrel. Was that, the, was that the burning oil and snakes in a yeah. barrel? That's a classic. That is a classic. The yeah. sizzling snakes in a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, a thousand furs. A little more subtle, but it's definitely in um, there. So, thousand furs was a, a while ago. It's episode 49. But it's quite similar in that you have... Um, the sort of princess has to leave home and then she climbs up a tree and then is like the king another king's hunters come right and, and they, like yeah get yeah. her and bring her to the other king and as you were saying in this story like hang on wasn't that her dad the king yeah it's a bit like that oh, thousand there's first. that where it's a different king but it's not made clear so this feels like you've kind of taken the thousand first structure yeah and you've basically, like, removed all that really nasty sort of weird ancestral yeah, stuff yeah. a little bit. And another one you've missed that you're going to kick yourself for. Oh, no. Seven Ravens. Well, of course, of course of it course. is. Of course. Of course. It's pretty, of course, Matt. It wasn't even <laughs> worth mentioning. But, yeah, fine, we'll mention it. It's like the Seven Ravens. No, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, I mean, you're, yeah. Solid observation. I mean, there's so many other stories in there. Yeah. It's also a bit of a fan favourite, this one. Six ones. Is it? Yeah. We've actually had quite a few messages from listeners about it. They say it's one of their favourites or they're looking forward to us doing it. Um, but also kind of hunting around online about this, I got the feeling too that like people like this one. Yeah. Or they certainly know about it. And I thought that perhaps it might be one of the ones that's in a lot of the collections of the Grimm's 
fairy tales. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you might buy a book of like 10 Grimm's stories and this will be one of the ones along with like Hansel and Gretel yeah. and Cinderella or whatever. Do you think particularly in the sort of collections that are aimed at children? I, I'd imagine so. I don't children's know. children's book of fairy tales sort of thing. My feeling is that people are like familiar with this one. They, they yeah. kind of, they have a affinity with it because it's from when they were, from their childhood. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. That's probably why. Yeah. I guess it, it does have those sort of fairy tale tropes that you think of when you're a kid. You know, the yeah. wicked, wicked stepmother and... Oh, it's a very classic fairy yeah, tale. Yeah. It's a classic fairy tale with some nice details. I'd say. I like the swan wing. Yeah, the swan wing's good. The I shirts. Li- the little shirts. The ball of yarn. I like yeah, that. that's pretty good. Very vivid image of the ball of yarn un- unspooling itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, okay. This is an interesting question. I mean, it's not that interesting, but in your head, you're picturing that. What colour's the yarn? Uh, white and red. Uh, white and red. Well, I was just picturing red, but yeah. You picturing red? Oh, absolutely. Ah. So there must be some reason for that. That's weird. Why do we so, picture? I don't red know. Yarn. Whether it's some sort of cultural thing that we've absorbed and not realised, or if there's some weird psychological. Although yours is white and red, so that's like festive yarn. What you tie a present with? Yeah, <laughs> like candy cane, or like a barber shop. Yeah. Mm. Um. No, that is that is a nice image. Uh, I don't know why they were in a robber's house. What's that all about? Don't know. I mean, I thought, is there something there about, like, if you remove the kind of magical, allegorical layer, maybe there's a thing like, oh, you happen to be in a robber's house that has six little beds, and we just happen to have appeared here, your six yeah. brothers. Maybe is it like, oh, they've, like, been banished, and they're actually robbers. Yeah. And it's like saying you've got to rescue... Your your nas- your brothers who've gone from a life of crime. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because you do get that image of like they are now society's outcasts, yeah. and so they are like living in the underworld, the underbelly of society, and that's the circles in which they mix now. How have we turned this fairy tale into like a crime story? I know it's just some sort of Victorian uh, epic. Well, I can tell you that's not how most people analyze it. No. but I think we found a new angle. Oh, here. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Starflower. What's that? I thought you might have a question about that. Well, obviously, I What is a starflower? You're looking very quizzical yeah. uh, when I mentioned that. There's a starflower. Well, it could refer to the 2017 studio album by Jennifer Page, Starflower. Who's Jennifer Page? Or it could also be uh, the unicorn pony character from the My Little Pony franchise, Starflower. Oh. But it's uh, probably more likely that it is referring to an actual flower because... Starflower is a term that is used for real flowers. And in our part of the world, it's most commonly used uh, for borage. For what, sorry? Borage. Um, I don't have any. That's a breakfast item. And it's evening time. No, not porridge. You want a bowl of borage? Borage. Borage? You, you don't know borage. Do you want to have a look at borage? Wow. It's borage. And it's because it's uh, star-shaped, basically. It is star-shaped. I've yeah. never seen that before in my life. You never see. I hadn't seen borage until a few years ago. I was okay. walking through. It's in in Hampshire. I was walking through a field, and a friend pointed out um, there's like a fi- uh, fields of borage, and because it's used uh, for medicinal stuff, I think. Right. And like um, oils and things like that. Uh, like essential. That kind of thing, thing, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's kind of like um, violety blue star-shaped flower, right? Is yeah. That how you oh, describe yeah. That? It's absolutely beautiful. I. And also now, if someone asks if there's a word that rhymes with porridge, I now know the word borage. Got that ready to go at your yeah. next uh, sort of rap battle. Yeah. So, so starflowers are real. Yeah. 
but it's also kind of tied in with the fact that we've got another celestial heroine here, Adam. We do. Do you remember our celestial heroines? Well, in the Twelve Brothers, again, yeah. did she have a star on her head? She had a literal star on her forehead, yeah. This one just shone like the sun, like sunlight. Yeah, shone like sunlight. She needed the star flower. Yeah. Yeah, so this is yet another example of heroines being associated with the celestial. Yeah. This one is a little more subtle, I think. Oh, definitely more than saying she has a literal star on her head. <laughs> or in The Seven Ravens where it's like literally having a conversation with the stars and the moon. <laughs> I mean, that's just like, that is psychedelic, that one. So, yeah, this is, an, this is another example of uh, stories that with a female lead, they often make some connection to the cosmic, basically. It's interesting. It's weird, isn't it? And we've seen it a lot, and I think there are a lot more than that. There's, I mean, there's also the, the Frog King, okay, the, the Frog Prince. There's yeah. a lot of allusions to the sun in that as well. Thousand Furs as well. Dress that shone like the sun, the moon, and the stars. Yes. Sun, and it comes up a lot. It does come up a lot. Anyone knows what that's all about? Please write in. <laughs> I'd love to know. Pretty weird. Weird. I wondered your opinion on um, essentially sexism in this story. How, how did you did, did this story kind of feel like unpleasant, or did it feel like an empowering story in a way? Because I think it can almost be read in oh, many different ways. It can definitely be read in both ways. Yeah, I think, because. As we're sort of alluding to, she's, I guess, in a way, the hero of the story. She's the one that that takes on that mantle of um, that self-sacrifice in order to save her brothers. And mm. that is empowering. She does that entirely on her own. But it it, it is unpleasantly sexist. There are yeah. There is not one but two instances of evil, wicked stepmothers yeah. in the story. She, she's just being abused by, like, stepmothers and mothers-in-law. Yeah. Like it's where and the kings are kind of like being manipulated by them, and the yeah. kings are good fundamentally, but they've yeah. got these nasty women yeah. who are causing our heroine all the trouble. Yeah, but as you say, it's quite refreshing because yeah. really, it's a it's a girl going out and rescuing the boys on her own. Yeah, but then to like to do that to to rescue her brothers, she's got to be mute and so. I know. Maybe is it like these are like womanly qualities in a way? I know. You know what I mean? No, I, there is something inherently almost sexist in that, isn't there? But then I thought when, you know, when she succeeds, she gets her voice back. So it's like saying, it's not necessarily being like, women need to be quiet and mute. Well, because yeah. like when she wins, the prize is to be able to speak again. So it is a punishment not being able to speak. If that, does that make sense? I hear what you're saying, because yeah. that was the point I was tempted to make. But that is also a good counterpoint that it's not, necessarily pushing that point home mm. but then meanwhile she's stripping for the <laughs> lads we haven't even talked about the stripping no, no, no. what is that all about there was a strip scene out of what it was an actual strip scene uh, it's such a strange scene we had a strip scene like, she was being like catcalled basically from a bunch of guys down there like and she's like, oh, I know, it's awful, isn't it? It's awful. Oh, God. Um, yeah, it's all kind of like coded, isn't it? It's all yeah. made to be a nice fairy tale thing. Yeah. But And they're actually saying, just come down, please, for the king. And she's like, no, have this. But actually, that's just mm, nicer version. Sanitizing of the, yeah, what's actually happening. Yeah, there was a striptease in a, strip a fairy tale. Yeah. What? <laughs> Up a tree. We had a listener before made us a kind of taboo bingo. 
oh, like yeah. of you know whatever murder, yeah. incest, abuse. I think we can add striptease. Do you think to that's that. in there? It's probably oh, well, not, it is should it? be. Yeah. I don't think it was. Well, if anyone's got that on their bingo card, congrats. Yeah. So I think the most interesting thing about um, this Six Swans is that it's the final tale in the Brothers Grimm collection of stories about, as you've already picked up on, a maiden who rescues her brothers. Yes. The other two being the Twelve Brothers and the Seven Ravens. Yes, as mentioned. Now... This type of story is defined by the ATU Index, which categorises folktales by narrative type, as the maiden who seeks her brothers, type 451. And these types of stories have a young girl's brothers are turned into birds and she must go on a journey to save them. That's kind of like the basic idea of yeah, these yeah. types of stories. Yeah. And those three stories all fit in with that. The yeah, six ones, 12 brothers and the seven ravens. So... What were the... Oh, they were still ravens, weren't they? In the Twelve Brothers. Yeah, yeah. they were So ravens, there's been two yeah. lots of ravens and one lot of swans. Yeah. This uh, ATU type used to be called the brothers who were turned into birds, but it was revised by Uther in 2006 and changed to the maiden who seeks her brothers. Excellent. Got the emphasis a bit yeah, better there. To show that it's like the sister doing the action. Yeah. And this is the only ATU folktale type that appears three times... In the Grimm's Fairy Tales. Seriously? Collection. Yeah. That's why it feels so familiar yeah. at this point. <laughs> well won ground. <laughs> <laughs> so is. And this is the last one. Yeah, we've done all of them all now. All three. Right, okay. Yeah. But these stories have been recorded by folklorists all over the world. These uh, Maiden Who Seeks are Birdie Brothers. In Europe alone, over 200 versions have been recorded. Wow. The bird types can change. We've had ravens and swans. Um, but other stories have geese, ducks, storks, eagles, and the number of brothers can change as well. But okay. The key is that there's multiple brothers who are turned into some kind of bird. Fifteen brothers turned into starlings. Yeah. Why not? Why yeah. Not? There yeah, you go. Yeah. That's it. I guess you can like, you can tell a story, and then if it sort of captures the imagination or it taps into something, it will live, it will spread. Yeah. So you could tell your 15 Starling story. Oh, that's going to be great. And if there's something about it that resonates, it will spread and become a, a story. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, man. I'll get writing. So that's like folk tales, like recorded by folklorists. Uh, the Maiden Who Seeks Her Brother's stories are also found in the collections of the other big literary fairy tale writers. Such as... A Bjornsson and Mo. Ah, lovely. The Norwegian brothers Grimm. They had a story called The Twelve Wild Ducks. Nice. That was ducks in that one. Twelve of them. Yeah. Didn't read it. Uh, but I'm sure it's great. There's a story by Hans Christian Andersen. Whoa. Called The Wild Swans. Ooh. Now, I read that one. Uh, it's it's basically uh, the six swans, but yeah. just more fleshed out, a lot more drama going on. 
a lot of peril. It's got witches and some other stuff. And oh, lovely. Evil Archbishop. Were there six of them, though? I think there were seven. I don't remember. Oh, okay, yeah. seven swans. Mm. A lane. No, what? <laughs> I, I'm getting confused with the other thing. <laughs> Desperate to make this the uh, <laughs> Christmas song. Yeah. And there's also one by... Jean-Baptiste Basile. (laughs) A story called The Seven Doves. Oh, of course he went for doves, didn't he? Yeah. I'm not going to read it to you. Don't worry. Okay. (laughs) We haven't haven't got Very disciplined tonight. Yeah. Uh, But picture this if you can. Okay. The Seven Doves is a mix between the Twelve Brothers. Yeah. And the devil with the three golden heads. Whoa. Shut that front door, please. Imagine that. What? And it's got a monkey in it. Whoa. And it's got Father Time. <laughs> Father Time? It's insane Have and we amazing. come across Father Time before? No. Not that I'm aware of. Father Time? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Well, it could have happened tonight. Father Time? It's not going to, though. And a monkey? And a monkey. We're gonna, I'm gonna, just going to tease you with that tonight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Consider yourself teased. I'm very much teased. Um, I might have to explore that on my own time. So that's three of the very big sort of fairy tale names yep. who've collected these types of stories. And then, of course, we have three versions in the Grimm's collection, yeah. which, as I said, is, is unique. So that is unusual for the Grimm's. But one reason that we, this might be the case is that the Grimm brothers, for a large stretch of their lives, lived in a household of five brothers and one sister. They were two of five boys. And they also their sister, Lottie. Totally forgot that. Remember that from our biography episode? Well, obviously not, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's that a riveting episode. <laughs> well, it is a great episode. I totally forgot that. So that's very interesting in relation it to is. this story then. And their parents died young and um, the eldest was Jacob Grimm. Yeah. And he kind of became like the head of the household and they all lived together. Yeah. It's not difficult to imagine, therefore, why this type of story would resonate. Yeah. So yeah, this is our final... Um, Maiden Rescues a Brother's Story. Wow. Uh, and just finally, a short dip, Adam, into the historical roots of the story. I'm being very disciplined tonight. I'm going to keep it really tight. Okay. Right. Okay. So a dip into the roots. I don't know how that works, but... <laughs> <laughs> I really should work on my phrase. <laughs> <laughs> the Brothers Grimm used a few sources to compose this story. Dorchen Wild. It's the oral source of the story. Dorchen, of course, later married Wilhelm Grimm. Yeah. That's what you all know. Friend of the podcast. But they also credit the Grimm's Die Sieben Schwane. Definitely should check pronunciation on that. <laughs> from a book called Fienmarken as their literary source. So they found another version of the Six Swans in a German fairy tale book from 1801. So they kind of got all these different sources and they've compiled them, mixed it all up made their own six ones that we just had Fienmarken Fienmarken Some, something tale fairy I believe ah, fairy tales yeah, interesting yeah. which interestingly the Grimm's dropped their book is called uh, Kinder and Housemarken Housemarken yeah. yeah they dropped that element I believe because fairies too French didn't like mm. that mm. French fairies none of that do not drag me down this rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that okay. Is, that's a story for another day. Uh, yeah, let's Why the Grimm's don't like fairies. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you might not have the answer to this. Sure. But uh, obviously this is the f- third one of this ATU type we're yeah. hearing. Yeah. Is it necessary? To, have they already sort of collected the other two at this point? 
when oh, they wrote this one down? Or absolutely no idea. No, no idea. I believe that they were all present in the first edition. Okay, so there's no easy way of telling that. What we do know is that the Grimms believe that the Six Swans shows extreme antiquity, in their words. <laughs> what extreme antiquity? Extreme antiquity. Coming new to Channel Five. <laughs> so they believe it's a very old story indeed. Um, and they might well be onto something, Adam. Okay. 20th century folklorist Stith Thompson of uh, Aunt Thompson Uther's name, mm-hmm. he had a look at this, into the roots of this story, and he traced its literary roots back to the 12th century to oh a story called Dolopathos, written by a Cistercian monk, Johannes de Alta Silva. Wow. It's uh, a different story, but there are obvious parallels in it to the Six Swans. So to keep it simple, uh, Dilopathos is essentially a story that includes a septuplet of six brothers and one sister. The, Check. The brothers are in the shape of swans. Check. And the sister looks after them. And all of this is because of a nasty mother-in-law. This has all happened because all, of her. All um, ringing true so far? And eventually, in Dilopathos, all the swans are transformed back into boys, except one who remains a swan. Oh, why? Not just the swanny arm. Why Why does he have to remain a swan? Didn't make a note. Don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't. Don't this, remember. Look. This Adam, made me sad. This is slimline grim reading. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> After a very long Beauty and the Beast episode, yeah. I had a good long look in the mirror. <laughs> so I'm keeping this tight. Yeah. This is, this is like... Pocketbook size. That's all you need to know. Grim. Okay. Yeah. There's one swan boy. Okay. One swan boy. Um, so does that make sense? That's like, that is Stith Thompson, who's a folklorist. He kind of traced the roots back of the six swans to this 12th century story. Yeah. And you can see that there's similarities there. Sure. Now to go just a tad deeper. Yeah. Dilopathos is connected to a character that pops up in medieval romance stories. The Swan Knight. The Swan Knight. The Swan Knight. Oh. He's a kind of stock character who comes with a stock story that you find in like different medieval romances and crusade stories. Okay. But does that make sense? So you kind of get all these different cycles of stories written in the early medieval time. The Swan Knight is like one of the characters who pops up in different stories. Right. Follow? I think so. And what's up with the Swan Knight? Is he a swan? Wow, good question. In stories with the Swan Knight, he is a mysterious hero who travels in a swan-drawn boat. <laughs> Whoa. And he rescues a damsel, but they can only be together on the condition that she doesn't ask him his name. Mm. That's the kind of short version of the okay. Swan Knight story. So you find this story in various works. Um, there are lots of artistic depictions as well of this knight being drawn by the swans in his swan boat. Swan boat. Um, and in Dilopathos the story that's related to the six swans, it's implied that the brother who remained a swan, he's the swan knight. What? It's a swan knight origin story. But so in that origin story, he is a swan. Yeah. But then is he like, then he can like talk to swans or something? Is that Maybe. How, that must be how he's convinced these swans to pull his boat. Well, when we we can do the Swan Knight podcast, we'll have to, and yeah. I'll dedicate some serious time to looking into the Swan Knight. Definitely, because I'm intrigued by this man. Can you? Because I think it's trying to paint the 
picture of him being pulled in his boat by swans as yeah. this really graceful thing. But I think in reality, it would not be very <laughs> graceful. Can you just... The boat's going everywhere. It nearly falls out. Be like, could you hurry up a little bit, guys? <laughs> this is very pleasant and swans. leisurely, but I'm off on crusade. <laughs> I'm trying to pull a bloke along in a little boat. Got to meet Richard at three. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, so yeah so the six swans has a connection there we can trace it basically to the, the 1100s in Europe yeah um, but likely this story goes far beyond that into extreme antiquity facts for you a, a brief swan digression but i think uh what did i call it a, a momentary swan digression i called it oh but, lovely but well i think i think that's probably enough tonight we can save that for our grim fables i think okay more swan facts in the grim fables swan facts are coming people fantastic but for now i think i think it's time for the scores i think so so what do i think what do we think what are we thinking here? Yeah, let's let's say we and not not I. Um, okay. The obvious thing to say is that this suffers by being the third story of this ATU type we've heard. Yeah. And thus, as you were telling it, I yeah. was like, "Well, I've heard that before." Yeah. Oh, I've heard that before. Well, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah. So. It even seemed to soften the striptease for you, didn't it? It did. Seem to hit as hard as it should have. No. Yeah, been there before. That, I mean, yeah, it, it added on some extraordinary elements, like the the uh, striptease up a tree. Yeah. Um, there was a strange disconnect between the second half of the story and the first half of the mm-hmm. story that never got resolved. That was a bit strange. Um, yeah, I see, I see that. It suffers by the fact that we've heard two of these stories yeah. before. You know, fortunately, quite spaced out, actually. Yeah, which that is, is nice. true. That is good. But we have heard them before. So I suppose the the question is, like, does one of them stand out over the others, I guess, is what is what we have to think. Yeah. And, but I think, in a way, they all have something stand out about them. Well, they do, particularly the Seven Ravens, which okay. is the most out there one of the three, I think. Yeah, I was thinking the Seven Ravens is, like, gothic psychedelic, yeah, yeah, is what yeah. I'd call that. The Twelve Brothers was like a big adventure with a bit yeah. of a, like a nasty underbelly to it. Yes. Because the father's like going to kill the kids or something. Yeah. Whereas this one feels maybe a bit more fantastical. Yeah. It's kind of got the six little beds, the yarn ball. Right, yeah. Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel dark necessarily. No, it's not particularly dark. Um, so do you see hmm. what I mean? They've all kind of got a slightly different feel. Yeah. Which is good. But it sounds to me like you're saying that the Seven Ravens stands out above the other two. I think so. And I think if we were to do them back to back to back, that would still stand out. Because it is so, it's like the most psychedelic, bizarre one we've read in a certain way. uh, Out of all the stories. And I, 
I guess you've got to try and review this as a standalone story and try and... Because it's not its fault it's being read to me mm. last for mm-hmm. three. Hmm. I think I disagree. I think that what you actually have to do is think, what's your favourite Maiden Who Seeks Her Brother's story? Mm. Okay. I don't think it is a separate story. I think they're all kind of the same story. Yeah. And this one, obviously, and the other ones have lots of other stories in them as yeah. well. But I think the question is, which one handles that idea the best? Hmm. Do you want to know the scores you gave to yeah, the other two Yeah, that would ones? be good, actually. That would be helpful. So the Twelve Brothers, you gave a seven. Okay. And the Seven Ravens, you gave an 8.5. Wow. Okay, that's pretty good. Those are high scores. My feeling was this is my least favourite of the three. I mean, I'm thinking about the detail of the the shirts and the, the actual... It deals with the actual transformation between human and bird mm-hmm. better than the other two, like in more detail. Mm-hmm. But that's a story. It is lacking a little bit. And I think I'm leaning towards a five. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a bad score. It's just, it's just not as high as a 7 or 8.5. If you want to give it a 5, give it a 5. I'm going to give it a 5, Matt. Giving it a 5. 5 out of 10. Interesting, okay. What are you, what are you thinking? Um, it's, it's interesting because you've given a very clear hierarchy to those three versions of this story, yeah. which I like. Um, my scores for The Twelve Brothers and The Seven Ravens were 7 apiece. I gave each of them 7. Mm. Tricky. Now that means if I don't give this one seven, <laughs> it would feel a bit cruel almost in the six one. Almost like that brother that was left as a swan in that other story. Yeah. It's also tricky because I'm aware that this is quite a popular story. Hmm. We might oh, get in no. a you, bit of trouble. Ju- I've only just remembered that now. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Please don't hate me, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, you know, perhaps like if you're like if you were a little girl, Adam reading this several times as a kid, yeah, it would have a bigger impact on you as a child than on us, you know, two fully grown men reading it once. Yeah. Who have also heard two versions of a similar story. Sure. Maybe, therefore, it won't sort of stand out as one of the best ones. Yeah. And, and I don't think it, it's not my favourite story ever. Um, but yeah, I guess the question is, is it my favourite Maiden Rescues about the story? I don't think it is. No. Is it your least favourite? Oh, I think it might be, actually. Yeah, see? You We're not so me. different. You and I. <laughs> <sighs> I was thinking 6 or a 6.5. Okay. Don't judge me for this. I think for the striptease and the ball of yarn and the... Um, see, I'm judging you now. <laughs> I like the fact that there's a kind of thousand furs echo in there as well. Yeah? I think I'm going to go 6.5. Okay, interesting. Yes. It's quite a bit higher than me, then. Yeah. So, 11.5 out of 20. 11.5 out of 20. Mm. Respectable. It's respectable. That's a respectable score. Switch. It's not it's setting the Grimworld on fire, but it's it's yeah. holding its own. Well, the Grimworld might be setting us on fire after that score, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Please. Uh, Look. We're sorry. <laughs> I'm instantly just capitulating. Please do get in touch and tell us why we're wrong, if yeah. you think we are. We love hearing from you guys, um, and we also love the fact that some of you are patrons. Nicely done. Uh, and as per the recent tradition in episodes, we're going to give shout out to a few more patrons. So, with no further ado, we'd like to extend a, a warm 
and a hearty thank you to Ariane Dunn, Catherine Oliver, Maggie B, Owen Kerr, Jay Wong, Hannah Toivonen, Stephanie Medell, Anders Hedegaard, Ariadne, and Stephen Kuehl. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you so much, guys, for your support. It honestly makes all the difference. And welcome to Grim Castle. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we finally finished the Maiden Who Seeks Her Brothers trilogy. <laughs> We've done them. They're in the bag. So, onwards and upwards, next story, Adam, is... I've no idea. The Twelve Huntsmen. The Twelve Huntsmen. Long away. I've been waiting for that story for a while. Have you? Yeah. Based the on name. the title or... Such a good title. Yeah, it's good, isn't Such it? Such a good title. Yeah. I mean, it's only taken four years. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. We're there now. We've got it. But do you know the story now? Wow. Oh, wow. You're not going to give too much away, are you? Oh, that would be telling. Well, I look forward to that, then. As do I. In the meantime, keep it grim. See you then. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. Keep it grim.